Hey guys, it's Isaac from Kentucky, and I can't wait to hear this episode of Sinister Sightings from a Paranormal Chicks. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 97. And you just heard Isaac from Kentucky. Yeah, I did it just like we do Texas. (laughs) He sounds so freaking cute. He is cute. He's so freaking sweet. You literally read my mind and I was like, do I want to say that? But you said it and so I do too. (laughs) He is. And y'all, I'm not hitting on him. First time ever. Well, if y'all want to be as cute and as perfect as Isaac from Kentucky. Well, that was creepy sounding. But if you want to be as amazing, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Check out the tiers. See which one works for you. And there's a couple of tiers that have a perk of introducing a Sinister Sightings episode. So if you want to do it, head on over there. I told you the web address, but I'm gonna do it again. Patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Who says a web address? I have no idea. I just went back to 1992 and welcome back. I just thought of the perfect Halloween costume, a web address. Like, and it's like a spider web, but it's a dress. But it would be like HTTP. And I mean, maybe it's not perfect, okay? I got to suss it out in my head. Also, correction, last time, oh, God. Jenny... And her lovely little creepster, they introed the last one, and they were just as amazing as Isaac was. But I said, son, because I suck, okay? I mean, we know you suck. (laughs) I mean, I'm good at sucking. But I'm not good at telling ages. I'm not good at telling, look, Carrie could work in a fucking circus because she could tell you age, weight, everything. I'd be like, Carrie, how old do you think? What size do you think she is? What? Blah, 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 blah. Carrie knows. Me, I'm like, I don't know. Three to 50. I don't know. Like, that's me. So I'm very, very sorry. Jenny and her daughter sounded great. Donna will be like, well, the kid's sitting up. So four? I literally said something the other day and Carrie was like, the kid's a one. I was like, oh, it doesn't do that yet? Like, I I don't know anything about kids other than (laughs) they have snotty noses, and that's enough. Oh, Lord. Okay. Well, we're very sorry that she misidentified. Yes. That is, I had to correct myself because that is not what we're about. Regardless, thank y'all for your lovely introductions. Yes. Okay. First story. Sinister sightings, slaughter at the sleepover. Whew. Hey ladies, the title of this email is misleading, but popped into my head and is too good to ignore. It'll make sense in like 20 minutes, if this email (laughs) turns out as long as any of my others. Already know who it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is really different from my other stories. A teeny bit of background. I had a friend named Sandra growing up, and she had a lot of stories that were clearly cries for attention. The fact that I just now remembered this story shows how many of her stories were total nonsense. And yes, that's her real name. I'm using this as a bit of a platform for this message. 
Several years ago, her son was taken away from her by the state, and she ran off with a carnival in a misguided way of getting enough money to get him back. Sandra, girl, if you're hearing this, please call home and let us know you're okay. So we were having a sleepover with the rest of our little group in middle school at our friend's really creepy but cool house. Her room was up this staircase that kind of winds around the house like a tower in a medieval castle. And it was actually off to the side about halfway up. So it was just this door that opened off a random step. We had a little fake seance in there once, but looking back on it, it was definitely our friend Darcy blowing on the candle. Darcy, girl, I'm calling you out. Hit me up if you're listening. Anyway, we were sleeping in the attic because there were six of us, I think. I can't remember my middle school crew. Cool, cool. It's not like we were notorious at school for being way too tight-knit or anything. Okay, so anyway, we watched 8 Mile, which I'm pretty sure we were way too young to do. Ate McDonald's, except me, because our friend's dad had gone out and just gotten us a bunch of hamburgers, and they all had onions, and I hate onions, and whatever. I had a piece of bread because I'm stubborn. And we're kind of nodding off. Sandra had already gone to sleep, but the rest of us were trying to stay up because we're stupid kids. Suddenly, Sandra starts sobbing in her sleep and bolts awake. She said her recently deceased grandpa had come to her in a dream, and we all just looked at each other and thought, well, here we go again. Instead, she said that he came to tell her that he was fine and that my great-grandmother asked him to say hello to me for her. Now, Sandra probably knew my great-grandparents who were my grandpa's parents because I grew up with them and they were still alive at the time, but I'd never talked about any of my other great-grandparents since I didn't really know any of them. I knew my grandma's mom for a few years and that she was a champion bowler who loved to play bingo so much that she named her dog Bingo. Bingo was an absolute nutballs Bichon who used to terrify me when I was little because she would zoom around great-grandma's house and run over me. When Grandma Slaughter, her last name was Slaughter, hence the email subject, sorry to be misleading, died on Thanksgiving when my brother and I were little, Bingo came to live with us and my dad made her into the best dog ever. The computer system at my dad's work, which I grew up to work on myself, is named Bingo because my dad basically built it. Cool story, Kat. What does this have to do with the sleepover? Nothing. Like anyone expected me to be able to stay on topic. I can never write a book. That was a big block of text, new paragraph. So anyway, I was a little peeved that Sandra would use my great grandma to give her story credibility, but what she said next was shocking. She told me that her grandpa said Grandma Slaughter wished she could have watched me grow up and gone bowling with me. Grandma was really happy that I was taking good care of Bingo. Remember, Grandma Slaughter was the world champion bowler, and there was no way Sandra would have known that, and nobody knew that Bingo had been her dog. Sandra then said that Grandma was pretty sure I was going to marry a really good bowler someday, and I'm now married to a man who could honestly be a professional bowler if he had enough confidence to attempt it. Obviously, I didn't know that would be the case at the time, but the whole situation really freaked me out. 
There was no way that she could have known any of that. That was basically the end of it, and none of us ever had a second thought about it again. Like I said, you would think I would have remembered this story since it's pretty nutballs, but that's just how many of Sandra's stories were made up. We weren't even able to acknowledge the absolute impossibility of her dream because we were all so jaded. It became that weird thing that happened at the sleepovers that one time. Looking back on it, I think we probably owe her an apology because a lot more of her stories could have been true. I don't think her baby sister came back from the dead, though. We can probably call BS on that one. And they all lived happily ever after, I guess, except that Sandra needs to phone home and tell us awesome stories about traveling the country with a carnival. This has been a way too long email about a weird but pointless story that maybe one or two people will find interesting. I hope it at least was interesting to you ladies. Creep it real and maybe ask the other creepsters to send in carnival stories if they have them. Tangentially yours, cat who writes too much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, cat, you never disappoint. No, I love that story. I love that story because that does make you think, you know, the one that you always are like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then that happens and you're like, wait. Wait, son of a bitch. And it makes you question everything. Uh-huh. No, that was good. Yeah. Also, I really wish I could bowl, but I am not a bowler. Mm-mm. But let me tell you that Tiffany has a fucking bowling ball, y'all. She has her own little, well, she did when we were growing up. Let me just say that. But yes, she had her own bowling ball. She has her own little stance, like leg swipe thing that she does when she bowls. She does it on Mario bowling too. Have you never seen her do this? Yeah, but I didn't okay. no, I didn't know she had an actual bowling ball. Yes. Her stepdad got her one. Her mom, her stepdad, and her had one. I don't I know about her older brother, but yeah. I, I always wanted one. Uh you hate bowling. We used to go more. But, but I suck at it. We don't go now because you hate it. Because I suck at it. Who cares if you suck at it? We all suck at it. No, y'all don't. Okay, you're not great, but Tiffany is really good. <laughs> well, who gives a fuck? It's just fun. It is fun, but it's expensive. Oh, my fucking God. It is expensive. It is expensive, but you always say, I hate it. I, hate it. I didn't know you hated it because you weren't good. You're yes. not going to get better if you never fucking go. Hello, I had a bowling party for my 18th birthday. Yes, but then you decided that you hated it, and I thought it was just because you got hot. Oh, also that, though. Well, also, now you're I on hate... blood thinners. <laughs> yeah, I do. And cold. you hate the shoes. Blah, 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 I do hate blah, the blah. shoes. Well, buy you some bucket shoes. I fucking love it. I love going. No, I still granny roll. Well, I did learn how to just, like, drop, but, like, I literally drop and walk away because, mm. Well, you got to do it. You're never going to get any better if you just don't. Why do I have to do it, though? Because Tiffany and I won't fucking go. Tiffany, we're going. And I say this every time this gets brought up. I always forget that I want to go and you want to go too. Okay, have fun in that pandemic. Well, I didn't say we had to go right now. (laughs) Can we move on? We love bullet and you hate it. How did Kat sign that off? Tangentially yours. Yeah, Donna. Okay, next one. Hello, hello. Is this from across the pond? Um... I don't know. (laughs) Last time I wrote in, I wrote about my experience as a juvenile delinquent. This time I'm taking it over to the paranormal side and I figured I'll start sending in my paranormal stories in chronological order. I've always been sensitive and open to the paranormal. 
The first ghost that I actually remember seeing and understanding when it was, was when I was around seven years old. At the time, we lived in a small coastal city. It's located in a valley, and so some parts of the town are higher up on the hills than others. My mom had taken my brother and me to the park that was across town. We lived down in the main area of town, and this park is up in one of the richer neighborhoods that are built up. I hope this makes sense. Anyway, we go to this park. I don't remember who else was there, if there were friends, or if we just made friends there. But my brother and I were playing with other kids. We ditched the actual playground equipment and were rolling down this little slope that was at the back end of the playground. We were all taking turns rolling down and running back up. And way, way down this hill, which did go past where this little slope went, there was a cemetery. Looking back now as an adult, I don't know if the cemetery was that close to us, but in my memory, it's right there at the bottom of the hill. I remember having so much fun. It was chilly and overcast, like always in the mornings. Okay, this sounds like it's across the pond. (laughs) I had my turtleneck pullover on, and I remember my cheeks being really cold. In the valley, there was always tons of wind, and I remember my bangs going cray. I remember taking my turn again, and instead of immediately turning around and running the short distance back up, I looked down. And there in the cemetery, I saw a man walking with a cane. He was dressed in an all-black fancy suit, and he had a top hat on. He looked up at me and tipped his hat slightly and nodded. I think maybe I waved back, and then the man started walking down invisible stairs into the ground and disappeared. I remember not understanding what I just saw him do at all. Also, I was so confused because I thought maybe it was just ghost Abraham Lincoln and didn't know why he was in California. (laughs) So I almost said, hello, honest Abe, to, it's not across the pond. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) How about I didn't even pick up on any of that? (laughs) Another kid yelled at me to hurry up, let's be real, it was probably my little brother, and I turned around and ran back to get in line. I knew I saw a ghost, but I didn't tell anyone until I was almost a teenager. I never felt any fear from this experience, but I, for the most part, am still baffled as to why the fuck a ghost would walk down invisible stairs in a cemetery. I've thought about going back to this place to see if I have any more experiences, but I haven't been able to. I hope you enjoyed this little story from my first experience. I'll be sending in another soon. Kayla N. And now, Kayla, I remember who you are. Her and her little brother threw that water bottle. Remember? Yes. And that old lady was like, I'm going to call the cops. Yes. And she was like, I didn't didn't throw no water bottle. Yes, yes, yes. We've been here all day in the cup. Yes. Yes. That's her. Okay. So. Not uh, across the pond and everything makes sense. Yeah. Well, maybe he went down his steps because it was time for his nap. So what I was thinking is there's that Stoll Cemetery in Kansas, and it says, like, there's a steps, like the stairway to hell or whatever. I've done it. Don't look surprised. No, I know, but it's just so intense. Yeah, but what if he was in all black and it was fancy? What if he was, like, going down for a meeting? Well, that's a very intense spirit for her to see for her first spirit. Well, he didn't know. But he was super nice. Right. And he wouldn't just be like, Madame. I mean, like, that's basically what he did when he tipped his head. <laughs> okay. The next one's three stories from Ashley B. 
Hey, Donna and Carrie, big fan of the show. You girls are the first podcast I got into and have consistently listened to working my night shift. You keep me sane. I love the mix of true crime and the freaky and think you guys do a great job. Keep up the fantastic work. But on to my stories. I have a total of two, one being my own and one that's my father's. Okay, the first one is Fisherman's Ghost. I come from the small fishing slash tourist town of Cape May, New Jersey. It's an old town and known for being haunted. Haunted beaches, restaurants, hotels, and of course, houses. Fun fact, the haunted beach also used to be a nude beach. Hopefully you don't get a naked ghost that sneaks up on you. That would be quite the surprise. Almost everyone has a story. Um, sign me up. for the Sign n- me up. That would be hilarious. Like a nude ghost, like doing the helicopter with his little wee-wee. Why does it got to be little? I want a big one. Give me that dangling. I've been looking for a ghost egg. I can't with you. Anyways, my brother and I were about eight years old when this happened. It was August and we were sleeping in the living room because our room had no air conditioner. We finished watching the movie White Chicks and turned off the TV to go to bed. That's when our dog, Xena, like the warrior princess, started aggressively barking at our bedroom. Hair standing straight up, aggressive stance, teeth completely bared. This dog was wildly out of character for her. Naturally, my brother and I are now on edge because the dog is bugging. She would go towards the room, give a couple of nasty barks, back away. She did this a few times. There's a mirror on the door of the bathroom that can be angled to see our bedroom. So this happened to be in that viewpoint. My brother and I leaned over to look in the mirror. In the mirror was the shadow of a man standing in the doorway in old-time fisherman's gear. Needless to say, my brother and I started to bug out, asking each other if we were seeing the same thing. At this point, we were en route to my parents' bedroom, holding hands. The kicker, my parents' bedroom door is not even three feet away from our bedroom door, where Creepy Fisherman is. Where we got the balls of steel for this, I'll never know. We walk into my parents' room and wake up my stepmother, his mom. We tell her everything that's going on, and she tells us it's nothing and to go back to bed. Well, this was not enough for us. We decided to grow bigger balls and go investigate ourselves. Still holding hands, we walk into the bedroom, and the room is ice cold. Remember, this room has no air conditioner, and this is why we were in the living room to begin with. My dog goes ballistic and is growling and barking like a wild animal in our room. Honestly, I'm surprised neither of my parents came out and told the dog to shut the fuck up. At this point, we take our happy asses out of the room, make a bed on the floor, and sleep next to each other for the night to keep each other safe along with our protector, Xena. Some years later, I mentioned this event to my parents. This is when my father informs me that he's suspected that the house was haunted for a while, but never said anything to us kids not to scare us. His impression was that the ghost was more annoying than threatening. Example, my father would look for his cigarettes everywhere, give up, get a new pack, and go to work. When he would come home, the cigarettes would be in the middle of the floor as soon as he would walk in the door. Also, the night we woke my stepmom, she felt the presence as well, but from what my father told her, she decided not to scare us more, although she was quite freaked out herself. Thanks, Donna. My stepmom's name as well. 
Since then, I think the ghost has moved on because there's been little activity since we were kids. Hopefully he has, because at one point, that house was hella crowded. Wouldn't have blamed him. The next story is Our Dear Friend. On Father's Day of 2019, my fiancé had just gotten off the night shift working in the mine, and I asked the day before if he could find a ride home so I could have the car for the evening. He agreed and had his friend DJ, change of name for his family and friends, brought him home that morning, and they decided to kick back and enjoy the morning together. DJ's own daughter was out of town, and he had made a phone call to talk to her since she was with his parents on a trip. They had a cute little conversation, and he let them enjoy their trip. He was playing with my daughter for the morning, and she was taking a liking to him. Unfortunately, this was DJ's last moments. He had a tragic dirt bike accident and died from his injuries. The whole community was destroyed from this event, especially my fiancé, who was one of the people to find him in that injured state. Terrible situation all around. Anyways, because this accident happened when he was with us, I held on to his things while he was in the hospital, not knowing really what to do with it. When he passed, I still had the items for about a week until his family came and picked it up. One day, my daughter walked into the corner I had said items in and put her arms up, asking to be picked up. She babbled and did the persistent baby jump, asking to be picked up. Disappointed, she walked over to me and asked me to pick her up. This is when I knew DJ's spirit was still around. I ignored it and hoped he would cross over on his own time, figuring he was probably confused or messing with us. This dude was known to be a trickster. A few days later, my fiancé was preparing for a night shift for the following night. This consisted of staying up late, playing video games, so he could sleep as long as possible the next day. I go to bed with the baby. At like 3 a.m., my fiancé jumps into bed. You know, like when you're afraid the monster under the bed is going to grab your feet. Obviously, I wake up hella annoyed and ask what the fuck he's doing. My fiancé hugs me and says... I feel like it's staring at me. Now, my fiancé claims to be atheist. You know, until he's scared. Then he asks what to do. Anyways, I tell him it's probably DJ messing with him and to just ignore it. He'll move on in his own time. That seems to make my fiancé feel better, but he never left the bed. After feeling like we were being watched for a few weeks, DJ did indeed move on. I haven't felt his presence in a year. Last one, my father's story. When my father was young, like five years old, sometimes his family would stay at his grandmother's house. He said, of course, I was in the spare room with all the creepy porcelain dolls. So being in this room, he was already freaked out. Well, one of these nights he was trying to go to sleep and a woman walks into the room and to his bed and stares at him. But this woman was terrifying to my father. He remembers she had a strange color hue to her and had a bag tied over her head. He said she just stared at him for a long while and then just left. Scared shitless, he didn't sleep that night. He never told anyone what he saw and wrote it off as a bad dream. 
until later he learned either a family member or a previous owner, can't remember which, had died by suicide this way. Freaked my dad out, and from that point on, he believed in ghosts. Not that I think he was ever a non-believer. That's all I have for now. I know you guys said you don't mind long ones, so thank you for making the winded read. I'll link some articles or some stories from my town if you guys would be interested or need suggestions for episodes. Keep up to the good work. Love y'all. Ashley B. Yes, you can say my name. That's so sad about DJ. Gosh, his poor kid and just, I mean, everybody. Golly, that breaks my heart. That really is sad. But that's so sweet, though, that, like, your daughter felt him and was, like, wanting to be picked up. Like, she still had that connection with him. Yes. That's heartwarming. But also heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. I can't even imagine for your fiancé. Wow. And also very scary about the fisherman and the lady with the bag over her head with your dad. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Also, though, your stepmom's got the best name ever. And the best poker face, too, apparently. Right. And you give a southern goodbye, too, with the, uh, I'm going to send two stories. No, no, no. Here's a third. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, next one. Ladies, my friend Katie recommended your podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm obsessed with your great stories. I wanted to share something that I've thought about over the years, which happened at my great uncle's funeral home. Um, also, thank you, Katie. So, to help you understand, their home was actually attached to the funeral parlor itself, which included a sitting room, an office for my uncle and aunt, and a large chapel where viewings and such were conducted. The right side of the building held all of these rooms, including the pretty big chapel, and the left side had a decently sized room for the families to congregate during funerals. My uncle's home was above this area on the second floor. They also had a mortuary in the basement beneath the chapel area where my uncle would perform embalmings. Whenever we would visit, unless a family was there, essentially the whole building beyond the mortuary was free to hang out in. Okay, my girl. The story has to do with the chapel. My cousins were expected to help around the chapel usually, and they would prep the pews and set up the memorial wreaths by where the casket would be set by my uncle before viewing. That day, my uncle had allowed me to look around the mortuary downstairs out of curiosity, but I wasn't allowed to touch the quote-unquote fridge because an older woman had recently passed and was in there. So being around probably 12-ish, I was already relatively spooked just by the virtue of seeing all the embalming tools, and my uncle had a laugh scaring me further by letting me in the room and then leaving, stepping into the big elevator that was in there, which is how they would get the bodies up to the chapel and the casket for viewings and jumping out as I passed by. Oh my God. Later that day, I was playing on my Game Boy in the sitting room and heard my grandma speaking to my cousin, both of them whispering about something on his phone. This would have been around 2006, 2007, so in my memory, it was a Razor flip phone, but maybe it was a different flip phone. Either way, hearing older people whispering, I ran over to nose my way into whatever gossip or punishment was happening. My aunt was out of the office that day, but had asked him to set up the pews for a funeral, given they had been kind of moved around by the cleaning people. To prove he had done the work, he snapped a picture of the pew so he could send it off to her and leave the house. Like, chores, I guess. And in the picture was a very clear silhouette. From my memory, it was clearly a woman, but like a shadow almost, with the center darker and lightening toward the edges, 
but with sharply defined shoulders, neck, and head. Her face was whiter though, almost like milk, and you could very clearly see she was screaming or opening her mouth widely. From my memory though, it wasn't an angry looking scream, more like anguish. My grandma was telling him that it wasn't funny that he would set this up, but he swore up and down he did not alter the photo in any way, and it was very normal of him to send pictures of the work he did around the house as sort of proof before he would leave to hang out with his friends. He showed my uncle later that day, who got very somber and had him delete the picture immediately and promise he hadn't sent it around to anyone. He was pretty upset that my cousin had shown anyone to begin with, saying it wasn't respectful. And for what it's worth, my cousin didn't even send it to my aunt, taking another ghost-less picture instead. I wish I had a copy to send, but that's not the most sinister sighting I've had. I personally believe that was the spirit of the recently deceased woman in the embalming room downstairs. Stay creepy. Oh. Whoa. I wonder how the lady down there died like yeah was she in like anguish when she died yeah i wonder if the uncle knew and like that's why he like got so somber too about it maybe like he recognized her but if it was just like a black figure more so like a shadow more i don't know that he would have recognized you know yeah i don't know though maybe he would but it's his business so he's not gonna want that type of feel to it you know he wants it to be have like a like respectable and like reverence to it not a oh let me come see the ghost right yeah thank you so much for writing in and also good on that teenage boy because i mean how many teenage boys would be like oh my god look at this picture i would have sent that to everyone i would have been like zach bagans here is how you get in my pants okay the next one is hello from illinois Hello, ladies. I love you, too, and I got my boyfriend to listen to you one of our trips. Well, my story is about my little niece. My father passed away March eleventh, two 2020. His funeral was in Minnesota. My niece lives in Texas with my mom, my dad's first wife. My nieces have talked to their grandpa on FaceTime and on the phone so they know who he is. The next day after my father passed, My niece tells my mom that three red cardinals land on the fence and two flew off and one stayed. And she went inside and told my mom that Papa is out there singing to her. And it was a little red bird left by itself. The next day or a couple of days later, my niece is in her room playing and she has some Lincoln Logs in front of her. And then there's a pile in front of somebody as if they were sitting there but no one's sitting there, and a little house in the middle. My mom walked by, and she hears my niece go, It's your turn, Papa. And then my mom stops and walks by the room and says, What did you say? I was telling Papa it's his turn. My mom looks where the pile of logs is and goes, I don't see anything. My niece gets mad and says, Grandma, Papa's sitting right here. My mom goes, Okay. And walks away. Calls me and tells me what happened. A few hours later, my niece wants to go outside. My mom tells her no because it's raining. She's crying because she has to go outside. Because Papa is sitting out there. My mom looks out there and there's no one. 
She goes, Grandma, he's right by the fence. My mom goes, when it stops raining, you can go out and play with Papa. He understands. She stops crying and goes, okay. A few weeks go by and my mom is going through old pictures of me and my brother and my dad. And she sees this one. And my niece says, that's what Papa looks like now. My mom goes, what do you mean? She says, that's what he looks like when he comes to see me. It was a picture of him when he was young and still married to my mom. I love when my mom tells me these stories because I'm so glad my dad comes to see them. Because when he was alive, my dad's second wife would not let him see them because my mom had custody of them. So I guess she thought if he saw my mom, he would leave her. I don't know, but now he visits his grandbabies whenever he wants. I have a lot more stories, things like my niece and a little girl in her room and an old lady in the hallway. Sorry so long. Thank you, ladies. Keep up the great work. I wonder why, like, red cardinals are a sign for that. Because I think so, too. Like, it's, oh, a red cardinal, somebody's coming to see us. Like, Mm -hmm. why is that a sign, I wonder? I don't know. Because, it, like I said, it is for me, too. Right. Like, I'll be like, oh, red cardinal. Hey, Grandma. You know? Also, though, male red cardinals, pretty. Female red cardinals, not so pretty. They have, like, an orange beak, and it's not as pretty. Same with peacocks. Mm -hmm. Male peacocks, beautiful. Female peacocks, not so much. Mm-hmm. They play. Why the, Why nature got to play us? Also, my grandfather is Papa as well. Also, cannot wait to hear your other stories, though. Mm-hmm. They sound very good. Carrie's over here with Antissa. Patient. Yeah. All right. Next one. The angels that showed up for me. Hey, ladies. I was cruising through podcast about three months ago and found y'all and have been in love ever since. Thank you. I promote you ladies every chance I get. Well, thank you. Now that I got my excitement out of the way, I want to share a personal story and experience. Please refer to me as Leanne. I was married about 10 years ago for a couple of years. The man I was married to changed when he moved me from my home state of Indiana to Florida. It's the traditional story of abuse. I can skip most of the terrible details. So picture it. It was 2011 and my ex-husband and I went out with his gay cousin to a drag bar. My first time and it was amazing. Best thing in the world. Just wish I could redo the ending of that night. We were leaving at closing and Michael was being very friendly on his way out. He was in his 50s and so happy all the time. He pats his big Aussie man's arm, total bodybuilder, and says, Bye, I hope you have a great night. Big man follows us out and knocks poor Mike down. (gasps) I lose my shit. Nobody is going to treat my people bad. I, being 5'3", say that was completely uncalled for. There's enough hate in the gay community. We don't need to act this way. Very loud and upset. Michael is crying and I put my hand out to help him up. Big Aussie man turns, taps me on the shoulder, and I turn to look at him and he says, Where's your old man? He needs to put a muzzle on you and has a firm grip on my shoulder. I look, and my ex-husband is behind him. He nodded, and I throat-punched the very large Aussie bodybuilder, and he leans forward. I get Michael up, and we run to the car. My ex-husband proceeds to go to work on this guy. He runs and jumps in the car, and I'm driving us back to Michael's. Ex-husband turns on me and starts slamming my head into the (gasps) driver's side window. This is going to get graphic. 
I'm now trying to drive and he just keeps bouncing my head off the window screaming that I had no business getting into men issues. I only had done what I felt I had to do. Michael's crying harder, begging Dale, as we'll call him, to stop. Dale tells him to stop his old gay man crying shit up or he's going to hurt him. I inject with leave him alone. We get to Michael's home. I take off walking with a terrible headache. Dale jumps his intoxicated self into my car and follows me, begging me to please get back in the car. He's sorry. I had no job, nor any family in Florida. I was scared to death. I listen to his narcissistic ass and believe he's sorry. I climb in only to be taken on the biggest hell ride in my life and get hit and punched. I'm now bleeding and I'm now peed on myself because of fear. He tells me how nasty I am and pulls over on the side of a very dark road, pulls me out of the car by my hair. I'm crying and begging for him to stop. He throws me to the side and jumps in the car and pulls off very quickly. I'm screwed, crying and just walking, thinking about the absolute worst. I was by the waterway next to the road where the gators are apt to be. I look across the road and I see a huge gated Islamic church. I start to cross the road and figure out if I can just keep my energy to continue walking home. I see headlights coming back and I honestly figured he'd left me out there and didn't care what happened to me. Then I notice this car is gaining speed and I quickly realize it's my car. It's heading right for me. I get to the main gate and I'm trying my damnness to squeeze my large pizza ass through these iron bars. I'm trying to climb because he's getting closer. Oh my God, he's going to run me over. I'm praying hard. Oh God, oh God, I can't die here. My family will never find me. I close my eyes as I'm blinded by the lights from the car. I bend down and cover my face and my head, accepting my fate. Then everything goes dark. Total silence. The car is not even a full inch from my face, and I see these very large people-shaped lights standing next to me. The car door is open and his very large feet and legs sitting to the side of the pavement, and I'm crying. The figures just lighting everything up as if it was daylight. Dell's got his hands covering his face. I'm covered in blood, pee, dirt. I'm frozen in fear. He then gets out of the car and walks to me and holds out his hands. Come on, get up. I'm scared, but I comply. He explains that he was going to take both of our lives at that moment, but the car stopped on a dime. The headlights kicked back on. My large light friend started to fade. He said, did you see them? I nodded. He puts me in the car and it started right up and he drove us home. I'm still amazed at what we both saw that night. He never hit me again after that. I'm sure that was a warning for him not to touch me. I moved to another room after that and ended up getting myself home and filing for a divorce several months later. I've always been sensitive, but never dreamed that I had that kind of power. But my angel saved me. Although I stayed for six to nine months after that, I knew he never hurt me again. I still left and took my life back. Thank you for letting me share this extra triggering story. I'm not and never have been big in the church, but I do still believe in God and angels. I've got way more stories of the paranormal to share and will at a later date. I love you ladies for what you stand for. Creep it real. Love, Leanne. Leanne, that was such a powerful story. It really was. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I just wanted to fucking cry the entire time, but also like 
cheer for you and holy fuck. I hope you and Michael are still close. Also, fuck that dude in the bar, too. Yes! What was that even about? I can't stand people like that. Oh, gosh. But you were so strong. Holy shit. I had chills reading that. Like, I don't know if y'all could hear it in my breath, but I couldn't even catch it. I was just, like, trying to read that and trying to get through it. Yes. And I'm like, hurry up. I have to know. Yes. Ugh. Thank you so much. And we can't wait to hear your other stories. Yes, we're so glad that you're safe and that you're healthy mentally and physically. And if anybody else is in a place where they feel the way that Leanne felt before her angels protected her, please reach out for help because you're not alone. Okay, the next one is true crime, kind of. Hello there. I have a story that I'd like to share about an online dating mishap. I've had a lot of mishaps with online dating, but this one was a bit more sinister. So buckle up, kids. It's about to be a bumpy ride. Two-ish years ago, I was semi-recently out of a long-term, shitty, and 100% toxic relationship and was enjoying the opportunity to meet new people. Being single for the first time in six years was a big life change. I was a full-time student with a full-time job, so needless to say, my life was very busy. This piled on top with the fact I had moved an hour away from home with no friends or family. So, like many others, I turned to online dating. Time passed, and I'd met a few people here and there, but nothing serious. I wasn't looking for Prince Charming necessarily, but new people to hang out with, good people to have in my life, and maybe Prince Charming if he decided to make an appearance. I met a guy, we'll call him Ted. Ted seemed nice, and we exchanged messages online and eventually exchanged numbers and had had a few phone conversations. We talked here and there for a couple of weeks' time, but nothing really came of it. Again, he seemed nice, but sometimes the chemistry just isn't there, and our communication tapered off. A week or so later, I was working second shift at my job. I worked at a small children's store in a shopping complex. It was probably around 7 p.m. when my coworkers and I were starting to do the daily cleaning and going about our normal business. I was hanging clothes at the counter with my back slightly turned to the register. I see a customer come up to the counter in my peripheral vision and turn to help them. Now, at this point in the night, I'm super checked out from work and thinking about sleep or food, I'm sure. So I'm simply going through the motions. I turn, log into my computer, scan the singular toy truck the customer is purchasing, and look up. I sense a vague familiarity in this man's face, and the gears in my head are still turning when all he says to me is, I guess we don't recognize people in person, do we now? It was Ted. I will never forget the condescending, towering, but quiet tone of his voice when he said that to me, like he knew he had some kind of power over me. Somehow this man had found out where I worked and what time I worked. I was shocked. All I could get to come out of my mouth was, that'll be 482. He paid, said not another word, and left the store. I watched as he climbed into a huge truck and powered on the lights. 
I realized he had been watching through the store's large windows for some time as I realized that truck was sitting there, powered on, as I had washed the windows some time earlier. I immediately started crying, and all of my coworkers looked at me puzzled as I explained the situation. They insisted I take a break, so I waited until he pulled out of the parking lot, and I went to my car to take a break. I called my mom, who was an hour away, and frankly, she's a hard ass, so she was giving me some tough love for talking to strangers online. So in the spirit of my mom, I nutted up and went back into work and shook it off. As I got back to work, I kept getting phone calls from Ted. He texted me. He was saying we should hang out after I get off work. Like, what the fuck? My guess is this was his way of cornering me into hanging out with him. He obviously came into the store just to creep around because he has no kids and no reason to buy one toy truck, right? And he lived a whole state away as far as I knew, so why was he here? My mind was reeling, trying to figure out what just had happened, but I ignored him and kept going about my business. It was now close to 11 p.m. as we were ready to leave the store for the night. One of my coworkers had graciously offered to follow me on my way home just in case. We all piled into our cars and took off. As we were leaving and driving through to exit the shopping complex, I noticed that huge truck in a far parking lot. The lights powered on and it immediately got behind my coworker and I at the stoplight to exit the shopping complex. I am floored as he had sat there for over three hours waiting for me to leave. And now he must already know what kind of car I drive. Of course, my first instinct is to call my mom again. My mom said to just start driving to her house, but it's an hour away and I'm not about to be tailed for that long. God bless her. She was ready to kick some ass, but I ultimately decided to just start driving to the nearest police station, which admittedly I had no clue where that was. As we took off from the red light, he kept following us and he was repeatedly calling me. I held my breath and just kept driving until he thankfully pulled off onto the highway. Fortunately, that is the end to this story that could have had a much worse ending. Needless to say, since then, I've been more cautious of how I interact with people online. I don't want to disparage online dating at all because I think it is a great tool to meet new people. And thanks to online dating, I did eventually meet my Prince Charming, in case you were wondering. But folks, just be aware and careful. Since this incident, I'm always more aware of my surroundings. This doesn't mean you should be so paranoid that you can't enjoy life. Thank you, ladies, for all you do. I love the podcast and the awesome community that it has created. Keep on creeping on, Daisy. Whoa. Whoa. Online dating's hard, and it's so hard because you want to be open with people, but then there's people like that. Right, and then it's like, because I've totally had this happen where I was talking, like this was obviously before Colby, but I was talking to somebody, and he was like, wanting to meet up one night. And I was like, well, I can't. I have plans with my friend. He's like, well, what are y'all doing? I was like, oh, well, we're working on our side hustle. And he was like, well, what is it? And I didn't want to tell him because I don't want to be like, oh, well, we have a podcast. And he got so pissed that, like, I literally was just like, oh, 
maybe you'll find it. Like I kind of like I kind of worded it in like a playful, flirty way. But he got so pissed. He like hung up and immediately blocked me. Yeah, I was like, cool. So it's like you want to be open, but you do have to protect yourself a little bit. And so it's mm-hmm. like people have to understand. People have to understand. But then a little bit, I would be like, if the roles were reversed, mm-hmm. well, what are you hiding? Yeah. So it's 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 hard. It's a fine line. It's it's a dance. It's hard. It's fucking hard. It's it's really hard. The we had gotten that was when we first started online dating with the podcast in play. Yeah. Because we didn't know. Because people can be petty. We all know I'm the queen of petty, but I do not take it to that level to like harm someone's like job or whatever. But well, I'm not trying to have somebody come on here and write us fucking 500 one-star reviews right. because they got butt hurt that you didn't want to have sex with them. Exactly. So that's why we were so like, I don't know. It wasn't about anything else. It's just like, this is our baby. Like this is what Yes, we've worked very hard for this. And yeah. I don't want some fucking Joe Schmo that's mad because I hooked up with somebody else to come yeah. fucking destroy this. Right. But it is hard. And okay, one of my friends who she is tech savvy, but this was back when like Snapchat when you found out like n- not Snapchat, I'm so sorry, Instagram, when you found out like it geotagged your pictures Mm -hmm. and I like looked at hers because she always posted pictures and I was like girl is this where you live because like we were friends from work and she was like yeah I mean that's basically the corner of my apartment like yeah and I was like yeah 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 you need to go turn this off you know because people don't know and like snapchat if you share your information and stuff and so it's just like those are the two things that people share on dating profiles the most and so it's, like, things that you don't think about. The people who have, like, nefarious, you know, plans and shit. Yes, absolutely. They think about that. Absolutely. And, yeah, he did that for intimidation because y'all had, like, stopped talking. And so it was like, oh, I'm going to get her to talk to me. And mm-hmm. usually people would be like, all right, let me just talk to him. Let me just get this just out of the way. Answer the phone. Yep. And... Honestly, if you'd have answered the phone, it probably would have turned out differently. Yeah. But then on the flip side, it could have turned out differently because you didn't answer the yeah, phone. You never it could know. have made him escalate. Like you you don't you don't know you don't fucking know. And you just go is, with your gut and hope for the best. Exactly. But you did the right thing heading towards a police station. Yes. Because even when I was reading that, Donna was like, Yeah, girl, yeah, yes. girl. Like I wish you could have seen her. She's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes never go home. Oh, yes. But seriously, like when, well, now again, Colby is in the picture. So Carrie's, you know, like Grandma Carrie over there married, basically, like whatever. So she's the one that like, you know, me and Tiffany had to send all our information to if we're going to see somebody. But like we share as much information as we can because you have to be as safe as possible Mm -hmm. just because you never know what can happen. And that's what sucks. But we will, before Colby, like if I had a date or something with someone from an online thing, I would send the pictures from their online profile. I would send pictures if they had sent me some, like on our text messages. I would send their contact information, obviously like their screen name, 
any indicators so that Donna and Tiffany would have who I'm meeting. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you've got an iPhone, do share location. Don't just send your location. Do share location. If you don't have like a Life 360 or something like that, send that to your best fucking friend and share it indefinitely until you get back from your date and then you can turn it off. Yeah. Something like that so that they've got it and it's not, you know. It sucks to be that way. Like how you said, you can't be paranoid, but it's just what it is. I'd rather be safe than sorry. You know, like I'd rather you know that I'm coming to your house before I can come and catch you and Colby in the act and laugh about it. Oh my God, I have a tangent thing to go into in just a second. But then you to not know where I am because I didn't share it and be like, well, he wanted to go to the gas station real quick and we went up there and then we went somewhere else and, uh, you know, and you not know. I'd rather you have my location all the time. I don't care. But also, sorry, tangent time. Carrie has two bathrooms and she always uses the bathroom in her bedroom and Colby usually uses the one in the hallway if they both are using the bathroom at the same time because people use the bathroom, y'all. I came in and here's the thing about Colby. He loves the TV loud and he will leave a movie running all the time. All the time. Me and Tiffany, me, me and Tiffany, Tiffany does too, but me and Carrie do not. Yeah. And I came in, I didn't hear Carrie yell for me. I was like, I heard her come in and I was like, hey. Did not hear that at all. I was talking to Bo. Well, I sit down and I'm like, golly, where are they? You know, and I was like, oh Lord, they having sex. Oh God. So I was like, all right, let me go down the hall. Well, then the bathroom door was slightly opened, but the light was on. So I was like, oh, shit, like, let me turn my head because it's probably Colby using the bathroom. So I was like, oh, okay, Carrie's in her bathroom. Well, then I thought I heard TikTok, and we all know we TikTok our lives away on the toilet. I was like, do, do, do. Well, of course, Bo, Beauregard had to come with me and his nails. Click, 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 click. I don't even know how I did this. But I like banged on the door because I almost opened it, y'all. I almost opened it because Carrie does not like to be seen on the toilet. But I just banged on it. And then I hear, babe, what the hell? And I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. Like, I almost saw Colby. Oh, God. Like, oh. I was like, boo, let's go. And then I went to the the hall bathroom and I was like I opened it like wide open then and I was like what the hell and <laughs> she was like what and I was like you didn't hear me walk through and she was like no you didn't hear me yell at you and I was like no <laughs> I was like damn it we couldn't hear each other because of the thing but like literally almost walked in on Colby he's in the bathroom <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> like thank you for my angels for saying hey you know what just Slap that door. Don't open the door. <laughs> because poor Colby would have been scarred for fucking life. I myself would have just been laughing my ass off and probably peeing myself. But Colby wouldn't have never been the same. Well, and you would have gotten an eyeful because he was about to take a shower. Yeah. So he was in Le Buff. Yeah, so that's why it wasn't how it normally should have been. Because he was about to get in the shower so they mm-hmm. switch rude. But this girl never leaves the door halfway. Like, I mean, it was like a sliver. Like, it was like little Donna could have peeped on my mom being on top of my dad. And if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, join the Crepinati, you'll know more about it. But um, but seriously, like, it was just a little bit. So, like, I literally thought it was, it that would not be Carrie 
because she shuts the door all the way. Colby's Donna Jr. and a little bit of an exhibitionist. I'll leave the door fucking open, be like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know? Tweedledee and Tweedledum over there are exactly the fucking same. Yes. So, anyway, that just reminded me when I was like, I'm going to walk in on them having sex. And I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to Don't call me shitting. <laughs> and if you don't bust in and scare your best friend shitting, are you best friends? No. Also, if you don't bust in while your best friend's asleep and hit the hit the bed and say, give me all your money and scare the shit out of her. I mean, are you best friends? I was like, why did I say that? I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> that was a terrible thing to say. It was. It oh. was. <laughs> and Bo's just like, huh? <laughs> like, standing that right is. beside me. All right, tangent time over. Last one. Hi, ladies. Attached are my stories. Sorry they're so long. Also, I want to be left anonymous. I'm in love with your podcast and you girls' friendship. Hearing you two banter and teapot laughs kill me. <laughs> 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 you could be uh mrs potts i'm chip thank you for continuing to record and put out new episodes it's been great hearing your friendly voices during these uncertain times i also really appreciate how the two of you put a lot of thought and care into talking about the real world issues we are all experiencing and even if you don't agree with an issue you are still respectful which doesn't happen often these days your compassion for people really shines through, and that's what's got me hooked on your podcast from the start. Also, your accents. Most of my family lives in Tennessee, and I'm in California. I don't get to see or talk to them often, so it's comforting to hear someone say y'all. Well, thank you so much for that. Yeah, that means a lot. Yeah, that really does. I have two stories to share with you. I have always been a very vivid dreamer, sometimes so vivid that my dreams feel like real life. Who are you, Carrie? They are always so detailed, and I always remember my dreams. I'm also a giant scaredy cat. I can't fall asleep in the dark. I hate silence. I hate open doors, etc. I'm a giant weenie. A few years ago, I was going through a stressful time in life. Early 20s, new career, bad breakup, moved back home, jumped straight into another bad relationship. You know how it goes. I had recently moved back home and my parents live out in BFE. I'm talking neighbors are like a mile away, no streetlights or street for that matter. The road to their house is dirt. We live in the middle of the desert and they live about 10 minutes outside of town on six acres of property. Their property is gorgeous in the day, but scary as heck at night. We are also a very religious family. We have Jesus everywhere. Holy water, Bibles in every room, but the house has always felt creepy to me. I was just about to say how cute that you said heck, and then you said, we have Jesus everywhere. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, never mind. Girl, but thank you for still loving us. I know. (laughs) (laughs) They take an annual trip to visit our family in the South every summer, but as I've gotten older, I've stopped going because I can't take off a month for work. Responsibilities. Ew. So they were on their annual trip and I was staying in our creepy house by myself. I had found a roommate, but I was waiting for my new mattress and bed to be delivered to her house, which I had hoped would be there before my parents left town. But as luck would have it, the delivery was delayed. I was also dating a guy at the time who would not let me stay the night during the week. I told him my parents were leaving and that I was scared to stay home alone. I begged him to stay with me, but the answer was no. So to calm down at night, I'd get trashed. 
turn on every light in the house, triple check every door was locked, turn on the TV, and pass out. The majority of my stuff was in boxes, so the only DVDs I had on hand were The Great Gatsby and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. On this night, I had hung out with my boyfriend, got home super late, got drunk, and fell asleep watching HP. And Deathly Hallows isn't the happiest movie to fall asleep to. I had the spin, so I turned on my side facing the door so I could put my foot on the ground so my dang head would stop spinning. My room was at the end of the hallway, so I could see the hallway light under the crack of the door and shadows passing by, and they didn't stop. The background noise was also Voldemort laughing, so that didn't help the vibe at all. I got scared, so I closed my eyes, said a prayer, and forced myself to sleep. I woke up the next morning a little hungover and a little freaked out. To the left of my room is my parents' room, where I showered in the morning, and there's a linen closet. My mom has OCD, and everything in the house has a place and an order that it's placed in. When she folds sheets, she stacks them flat sheet, fitted sheet, pillowcases. I opened my door, and the linen closet doors were open, and on the ground was a stack of sheets. At first, I didn't think anything of it. We have earthquakes frequently, and it's normal for doors to be open and things askew. But that's only when it's a big earthquake, which we didn't have the night before. And then it hit me that the sheets are so far back in the closet that they couldn't have just fell out. And if they did, they wouldn't have been placed in a perfect stack on the floor with the pillowcases on top. At this point, I'm freaked out. Forget a shower or brushing my teeth. I'm out. I got dressed and headed to work, texted my boyfriend about it, and he told me not to freak out. There had to be an explanation. Well, there wasn't. I was dragging ass that day because I had stayed up so late. I need a minimum minimum of six hours or I literally cannot function. So I decided to take my lunch early, go home, and take a nap. Again, the house isn't so scary in the daytime, but even if it was, I was so tired I didn't even care. I get home, take off my shoes, and lay on the bed. Now, it's important to note that I am a tummy sleeper. I never fall asleep on my back, but on this day, I did. As soon as my head hit the pillow, I was out and immediately started dreaming. In my dream, I was in my room, laying on my bed and looking out my window. My bed was up against the wall right under my window. And as I'm looking out the window, I hear kids laughing and I think to myself, The kids are out of school. I'll go out and I'll say hi. I go to get up and I realize I was dreaming and we live out in the desert, nowhere near a school and it's 10 a.m. Kids can't possibly be out of school. As soon as I made the realization I was dreaming, it was like someone punched my spirit back into my body and pulled the shades over my eyes and I was frozen on my back and could not move. The room was pitch black and silent. Two of my biggest fears and my head started moving back and forth because someone was kneading both sides of my pillow fast. Oh my God. Then I felt pressure on my chest and I went deaf. I could not hear anything. Suddenly my head stopped moving and the room went cold. I felt someone at my side and heard a child whisper, What? Directly into my ear. Uh Uh-uh. No thank you. Uh Uh-uh. I looked to the corner of my room and there was a black figure as tall as my ceiling and it pointed at me. At that moment, the room went light, and I could move again. I opened one eye, and I scanned my room. 
The coast was clear, so I ran out of the house, didn't even lock the door behind me, and I sped back to work. When I got to work, my coworker, no joke, said, Are you okay? You look like you've seen a ghost. I pulled her outside and started bawling, swearing I just saw the devil and my house was a portal. I had had paranormal experiences, but it has never been negative, and it sure as hell has never held me down and needed my dang pillow. She told me about sleep paralysis and that she had experienced something similar. I spent the rest of my day researching sleep paralysis, which can be brought on by stress, check, not sleeping well, check, sleeping on your back, check. It made me feel a lot better to know that sleep paralysis is common because I legit felt crazy and that it was my brain and stress that had made this experience happen and not the actual devil. After reading so many stories, my experience could have been a lot worse. Some people experience sleep paralysis every night, having things touch them, stare at them, scream at them. No, thank you. Your girl needs eight hours. I moved in with my roommate that night. I told her what happened and she actually had sleep paralysis for the first time a few weeks prior. She vibrated and had a bright light shine on her and felt like her soul was leaving her body. So she blew up an air mattress for me, God bless her, and went with me to get my stuff. I have not stayed at my parents' house since that day and still have no explanation for the shadows in front of my door or for the closets and the sheets. But sometimes it's okay to not have answers and just let things be. Okay, second story, also about dreaming. Last summer, I went to Peru with some friends to climb Machu Picchu. We stayed in Peru for eight days and spent the first half of our trip in the city, the last half in Machu Picchu, which was incredible. The culture, amazing. Food, superb. People, so kind. It was truly a life-changing trip. Machu Picchu itself was indescribable. The view left me speechless, and how people carried stones all the way up that mountain blows my mind. They had legit irrigation systems, perfectly symmetrical houses, gardens, temples, It's miraculous. Then they all just disappeared? Possible story episode, Donna, dot, 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 aliens? Okay. It was absolutely beautiful and truly a wonder of the world, and I highly suggest going when we can travel again. The night before we climbed the mountain, we stayed in the Sacred Valley, which is gorgeous and has an incredible history of the Inca tribe. Many of the locals there are of Inca descent, and it was incredible to see how they live. The old architecture, their local cuisine, it was amazing, and everyone was so kind to us. In the daytime, it was beautiful, but at night, there were no streetlights, no traffic, just pitch black silence. We were staying at an Airbnb, and the woman owned three houses on this hill. She let people stay in the house at the top and bottom of the hill, and she lived in the middle house. She gave us the house at the top of the mountain, and she had several large dogs, so we genuinely felt safe, and that if anyone were to try to get us, they would have to get past the dogs first. This house was beautiful. It had a beautiful view of the mountains, a balcony, and a porch with a hammock, and the weather was perfect. We spent the day exploring the valley, and when we got back to the house, the front doors were wide open. Weird, but we didn't think anything of it because we had a hard time locking it before we left. Stupid to not be suspicious and cautious, but we just felt so safe there. 
The house was two stories, and to get to the second story, there were very steep, small stairs. At the top of the stairs, there was this bedroom, turn left, and there was a store to the balcony and two additional bedrooms on either side of the door. We get cleaned up and ready for bed, and it was freezing that night, so I was in three layers of clothes with two blankets. I was sharing a room with one friend, and our other friend was in a room by herself. In my room, there was a stained glass window with a view of the mountains, two beds that faced that window, and a nightstand. I did not feel comfortable there that night. I bring a rosary with me when I travel for protection, and I grab my rosary and put it underneath my pillow. We pulled the nightstand in between our beds, propped up my phone, put on friends, and I went to sleep. I fell asleep fast, and in my dream, it was daylight outside. I was walking up to the house, calling for my friends, and the doors were wide open. I walk inside, and I'm calling their name. No one answers. I climb up the stairs, and in the room at the top of the stairs, there's a child in a white dress with long, dark hair, and she's looking at her feet. I say hello, and she charges me. So I run into the room I'm staying in, and I shut the door. All of a sudden, it's night, and I look at the window, and there's someone staring at me, and they look evil. I'm pushed back onto the bed and the little girl is floating on top of me, choking me. I'm screaming for my friend and she has her back to me so she can't hear me. I feel my rosary in my hand and I start saying the Lord's Prayer out loud. In every other word of my prayer, she squeezes my throat so I can't talk to breathe. So I start saying the prayer in my head. As soon as I said amen, she disappeared and I woke up drenched in sweat. I had only been asleep for maybe an hour. Then the dog started barking, and our other friend ran into our room asking if we felt weird. And I said yes, but I didn't mention my dream. My other friend said that she felt fine. I stayed up for a while praying and texting my boyfriend, and eventually I calmed down and went back to sleep. In my second dream, I was a little girl. I had long, dark hair, and I was in the white dress, and I started having flashbacks. I lived in that house with my mom and dad. My mom was a native and she was beautiful. My dad was a white man and he was awful to my mom. He drank a lot and beat her and me constantly. The first story of our house was a store my mom owned and every night she had to give my dad all the money she made. If she made a lot of money, he would be nice to her. If it was a slow day, he'd scream at her and shame her for not providing for the family. She would cook for my dad and he would shove her face in the food and say it was disgusting. He'd push her around and he hit her. He broke things constantly. And when he'd leave, my mom would make fixing things into a game, like we were putting together a puzzle. I knew she wanted to leave him, but I also knew she was scared to death of him. She had rescued a baby brown bear, and my dad tied her to a chair and made her watch as he tortured the baby (gasps) bear. He laughed the entire time, and the look in his eyes, it was just dead. The more she cried, the more he hurt the bear. I was bawling, and every time I tried to look away, he would scream at me and tell me to watch. I was so scared of him, I was shaking. She said something to him in a different language, and he tossed the bear to the side, let my mom go, and left for a few days. And just like when he broke anything else, my mom and I took care of the baby bear's wounds and hit him in the backyard. He came home days later, and he wasn't drunk. He was being so kind to us. He brought me home a sweet treat. He apologized to my mom and he went to hug her. And as she embraced him, he pulled out a knife and he stabbed her in the neck over and over 
and over. I fell to the ground screaming and he lunged for me and I woke up. It was finally daylight out and I was the first one up. When my friends woke up, one said she slept fine and the other said she was uneasy all night. And I told them about my dream. We only stayed there one night and I couldn't help but feel like maybe that awful event had happened in that house and the little girl's spirit was stuck on that land. I firmly believe Native lands are extremely haunted because of the injustices, murder, and mistreatment they experienced. Possibly because I'm Caucasian and pulled out my rosary, the spirit could have been offended, but also wanted to share her story? We also drank a lot of wine in the house that night. A multitude of things could have been triggers. I have no idea, but it felt so real, and the energy there was so different. It was an experience I will never forget, and I hope that little girl finds peace. I said a prayer before we left and thanked them for letting us stay there. I've also had many other dreams, lots in which I'm murdered, so hopefully that is not a premonition. Thank you for reading my stories and doing what you do. Stay safe and healthy. Wow. I thought I had vivid dreams. Right? Mm -mm. I mean, there was that one time that uh, Quasimodo chased me down a slide because I had his eyeball, but... I will never forget that dream, girl. That is nothing like this. No. You're like, again, I couldn't breathe reading that. I was like transformed in that email. Transformed? Transfixed? Transfixed. Yeah, that's a word. Man, that was good. I hope that that story isn't real, but it sounds like it is. It's so specific to not be real, you know, like the baby brown bear and the store at the bottom and just, oh, I'm just so glad y'all were safe because that door was open and Mm -hmm. everything. And when you have dreams like that, it's exhausting. It really is. You may get those hours of sleep, but it's not quality sleep. No. Especially because those are so emotionally draining. I cannot even imagine. Good Lord. And seeing it from different perspectives like that. Gosh. Mm -mm. Mm. Wow. Y'all, these stories were so freaking good. So powerful. Yes. Y'all are so strong. Y'all keep these emails coming. Y'all know we love them. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Thank y'all so much for sharing all of your experiences. Some of them are so personal and we know that it can, well, we don't know because we haven't lived some of these experiences, but we can empathize, sympathize. I never know the difference, but something thighs that we got thighs. thunder thighs that these experiences are so difficult to relive and to write out. And we know that people listening can identify with and learn from what you're sending us. So thank you so much for sharing some of these really personal experiences. We really do appreciate it. Yes. And like a few of these listeners did, you know, if you want to remain anonymous, we don't have to use a name at all. If you want to change the names, you can change the names. If you want to know, if you want everybody to know your first, middle, last, and your social security number, we'll tell all that. Just kidding. We won't. But. Well, Well, I transpose numbers all the time. So you safe there. True. But we'll do whatever you want us to do to make you feel comfortable. So keep sending them in a paranormal chicks at gmail.com. And remember creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.